Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Uh, my guest is Kirk Beebe, a scientist at Metabolon.com and also a director. Kirk, how are you doing? Good, good, great. Yeah, thanks for coming. So, uh, you know, we always start with the basics. What, what does Metabolon do? What does your company do? Uh, so we are a, a health technology company that, that specializes in advancing this technology called metabolomics um, in areas like precision medicine and also life science research. Um, we've got kind of a particular breed of metabolomics we call uh, precision metabolomics, um, which is, is really uh, brings a very um, kind of a, a very comprehensive and very accurate and also data-rich and information-rich approach to the, to the discipline of metabolomics. But I'm sure you're probably also wondering, you know, what is metabolomics? Right, right. Yeah. And what, what is metabolomics? Yeah, so um, probably the simplest way to think about it is it's, it's a technology for measuring all of the metabolites within living systems. So a living system could be a human being or it could be a rat, an animal that's used in research. And when I say all the metabolites, I think the easiest way to think about it is if you go to your doctor's office and you get your, a, a measurement of something like cholesterol you know, um, or glucose, um, those are those are metabolites, right? And they have important meanings clinically. If you have high glucose, uh, they say, well, gosh, you're at risk for diabetes, or you have diabetes, or if you have high cholesterol, they say you're at risk for cardiovascular disease. And the technology we have, instead of just measuring those two analytes, it measures hundreds of analytes in a single sample. And the reason it's important to measure all of those metabolites really comprehensively is they actually are a way that you can actually track the health status of a system. Um, you can track it, you can understand it, you can begin to figure out ways that you can uh, um, improve it if it's broken down. So what are, um, I mean, you can't measure everything, I guess, but what's, um, so do you provide the test that will measure metabolites in someone's body, or what's your specific focus? Are there certain yeah. metabolites that are more important than others? Yeah, certainly if you were to kind of look at the whole spectrum, there are some that are known to be more important than others right now. But what we found, you know, we've been doing this for about 15 years now, and what we found is that the more people you profile, the more disease states, um, in combination with this very broad coverage of metabolites, again, instead of just glucose and cholesterol, we're measuring hundreds at the same time, we found that there are many metabolites that people didn't really know were important for disease that we're uncovering kind of every day. So that, that you, can, you can imagine that... Um, kind of diagnostic toolkit, so to speak, uh, that is metabolites that are informative about health states, um, continues to expand and expand as we use this technology. So what will happen when a customer comes to you? Like, what are the steps and what will you do? Yeah, so we work with a variety of customers, again, across life sciences and precision medicine, but just in general, they'll, they'll have a specific question. They'll say, if it's a customer from the pharmaceutical industry, they might say they want to understand how their drug works or why their drug isn't working, um, or if it's somebody studying human genetics and trying to understand the basis of why um, certain diseases are driven by certain genes, um, they, they come to us as saying, we want to use the technology. Um, 
we work with those customers to set up a study. We say, well, this is how you would set up a study. This is how you would deploy the platform. Typically, um, those those customers would then send the samples to our facility where we would, we would run the metabolomics platform. Um, after we acquire the data, and I think this is kind of a key thing, we can acquire the data very rapidly. Um, we have a lot of infrastructure here uh, dedicated to interrogating the data, to try to understand what the data means. As you can imagine, if you're measuring a thousand metabolites in a in a subset of uh, patients that maybe respond to a drug or don't respond to a drug, it's not always crystal clear what that means. So what we've tried to build over the years is a um, an ecosystem for being able to quickly interrogate that and understand what the data means. And kind of the last step is we return that data to the to the uh, investigator or the clinician, and then they um, they use it in whatever way um, uh, they intended relative to the goal. If it's about trying to understand how a drug works, they then apply that knowledge to that. If it's about how a patient responded to a drug, they apply that knowledge to that. So who will order it? A metabolon test is it an individual patient or is it a healthcare provider? Uh, actually, um, it can it can be um, on the kind of the healthcare provider side, but the the vast majority of people we work with are investigators at uh, academic institutions as well as pharmaceutical companies. So it's that those are probably the 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 staple client that we currently work with. So, in what situation would someone need this this order? You know, give me an example. Uh, again, um, so let's say um, I'll use the pharmaceutical industry example again. Somebody was had discovered that um, their drug was having um, negative effects in animal models. So let's say it was it was it was uh, causing toxic uh, toxicity. They might come to us with the question of, "Hey, I, I'm really trying to understand why this drug is causing toxicity, and or develop markers that can." Warn me that this toxicity is occurring. That's one example. Um, there could be there are examples um, in um, other industries. Like for example, we work a lot with um, what we call applied markets, where people that are trying to develop probiotics or better um, uh, nutritional components or um, supplements and things like that. They might want to try and understand how they can create a better supplement. Uh, so those are the type of questions people ask. So you have any examples or case studies of, uh, you know, you may not have to name the people, but, um, you know, they had an issue, uh, they came to you, you did the test, and you found a metabolite or two, and it told you X, Y, or Z. Uh, yeah, I mean, actually, um, I could spend most of the time on that, actually, because um, at this juncture, because we've been doing this a long time, a lot of our work, uh, fortunately, is out in the public domain. Um, at this point, we've published with... Um, the people we collaborate or work with, uh, over a thousand papers in different areas. But um, I know one of your interests today, besides metabolomics, is in the microbiome. Um, and just to give you right. a couple of interesting examples there, um, we've done studies where we found metabolites that are linked to uh, really important phenotypes or disease traits, like, for example, um, anxiety disorders. We've discovered metabolites that drive anxiety disorders. Um, We've also found uh, metabolites where companies have come to us saying, I have no idea what the mechanism of action of this drug is, and um, I really need to understand it, and I need markers that can guide the development of it a little bit better. Um, so we've set up studies and been able to deconvolute the mechanism of action, um, as well as find these biomarkers. 
Um, other areas in the microbiome, um, just a, about a year ago, we did a really interesting study with uh, investigators at the Wiseman Institute, which is a really interesting study because a lot of us, including myself currently, uh, can relate to it. They basically were interested in looking at um, what the effects, uh, what were the, the kind of underlying molecular uh, effects that were driving the, the concept of yo-yo dieting. Um, and just, I mean, I think everybody, most people kind of understand the concept of yo-yo dieting. That is, you know, we get a little heavy, we then lose some weight, and then strangely, it just seems to stick to us and come back much more rapidly uh, the next time we start to kind of head down the donut aisle. Um, so that's a real phenomenon. People tend to gain weight more rapidly and to a greater extent after they lose a lot of weight. So um, we did a study with investigators looking at this in a, uh, in a mouse model, and uh, they found indeed that the microbiome, which I, I think we're going to talk about a little bit later, um, was altered and um, was altered for a long period of time. So it kind of explained that because the microbiome had changed, it was one of those factors that seemed to be causing this increase in weight gain. But that really didn't tell you anything about how to, um, how to functionalize that information or how to translate it in any way. But when we ran our um, uh, metabolomic profiling platform in this study, what we found were there was just a select series of metabolites that were um, really important to driving this effect. Th that is, um, they were depleted when people, after people, after the mice underwent this diet, and didn't come back up to normal levels for a really long time. But when you supplemented with these metabolites, the mice were able to resist the effects of the yo-yo diet. So th that's, there, there are numerous examples from kind of basic biology all the way to um, um, you know, drug, uh, uh, pharmaceutical R&D. Um, but hopefully that gives you a sense of a couple of them. And, uh, I lost you for a second. Sorry. Okay. Uh, oh, no problem. No problem. So what, what is the course of action when someone orders a study, they find metabolites, what are some of the mechanisms that you can tell them to use or what can they do to, to make a change based on what they see? Yeah, that can be variable, uh, but a lot of times uh, it, they might discover a biomarker within this study. So, in other words, if they if they screen these thousand metabolites, they might find that there are three or four of them that are really important. So, what they a lot of times people can do is they can then take those three or four and develop a kind of a more routine use test that can be used. They can kind of um, guide guide their their program and form them on if they're seeing any kind of um, response, whether, let's say, if it's a drug, is it an off-target activity, or is the drug working, things like that. Um, the other thing you can often do is um, pinpoint that a particular gene might be involved. So that would allow the investigator to then go in with standard molecular biology tools, like um, all of us, popular press, whether you're in science or not, have probably heard of CRISPR. But we can then tell them they can manipulate the gene with technologies like that to um, redirect the phenotype or engineer the system in a different way. Is this ever used by individuals? Do individual people ever order a metabolomics panel? And even if they did, would they get any information out of it that's useful? No. It's, well, I think, the, I think the latter part is I think people could get useful information, but I don't think that's not something we've really... Uh, deployed at the moment, direct to consumer, is I think what, kind of what you're referring to. You know, we're still kind of operating through 
clinicians and or um, investigators. I guess this would be great if it was a requirement for um, you know either animal or human uh, clinical trials, but they also did a metabolomics profile. I mean, would you say it's uh, they're missing a lot of data if they don't do it? Ah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's one thing that uh, I, you know I've been so I've been doing this about um, eleven years now, and that's one thing that I think is a really uh, uh, a missed opportunity for metabolomics. Now, the last couple of years, we've seen a lot more activity of companies that are actually being a bit more proactive, actually using the technology, but it isn't um, this household routine use uh, technology yet for those type of things. I think one of the concerns is that, you know, there are, you know, a lot of different technologies out there that can produce massive amounts of data. Probably the thing that most people are familiar with would be, you know, genomic technology. And, um, you know, that's incredibly valuable technology. It's told us a lot of really important things, but it doesn't always really produce clear signals that people can act on. I think what's nice about the metabolomic profile is that it's actually very sensitive to what's happening in a system. So if, let's say, a patient's responding or they're responding adversely, you often will pick up signatures from that in the metabolome. So I think it could be a really useful technology for giving people a little better sense of, you know, if let's say they're starting a trial, is the drug hitting the target? Is it having its intended effect? But um, I think that's something we will see continue to grow, though. Okay. So how long does this process take? And, um, you know, I, I don't know, is there a ballpark on cost for an investigator to get this test? Yeah, so um, as far as how long it takes, it kind of depends on uh, what deliverable someone gets, but usually typically you're, you're talking about a few months, a couple months to three months to get the, the full return of a data report. And then uh, as far as cost, I mean, that's not really my department. Uh, I'm not really, it really kind of depends on the deliverable and the type of deal structure, et cetera. But I think it's, it's relative to other types of technologies where you're collecting a lot of large data, it's actually quite cost-effective. Yeah, and I just realized that this test probably wouldn't be nearly as useful doing it on one person. I mean, in order for it to be statistically significant, how many people or animals or creatures do you need to do this test on? Yeah, so, uh, it, so it really depends on what question you're asking. But it, classically, if you want to look at, let's say, a group of disease subjects versus a group of healthy subjects, let's say the basic example, you do need to you you do ideally want to power the study so that you maybe have a minimum of 20 to 30 individuals in each group and even more would be better but the interesting thing is the last few years we also have found that you can apply it to the individual you can you can look at that relative to um, you know, the population that is being profiled with and um, and you can often pick up some in, some important signatures. One of the best illustrations of this is work that we've done the last several years with looking at inborn errors in metabolism. So these are basically primarily genetic disorders. They tend to be rare, where um, the metabolic metabolic uh, expression is often changed pretty dramatically. So even on looking at single individuals, you can often pick out disease signatures pretty readily in those type of cases. Now, if it was just trying to trying to tease out, you know, the metabolic profile of someone with baldness versus a full head of hair, it would be a little more challenging. But I think when it comes to traits that are clinically important, uh, there has been a, a pretty uh, strong ability to even tease things out at the individual level. I do think that's one of the areas that 
you know, with the technology going forward, we're going to see more and more of that. What's um, what are some of the strangest and most unusual things you've seen from doing the metabolomic study? Things that really surprised you? Um, well, I guess I'll start with the strangest thing because it's not necessarily surprising, but I'll give you the surprising on the back half of this. The strangest would be, you know, when we started this technology, we were thinking, well, this technology will be used for, you know, clinical diagnostics and uh, pharma, uh, pharmaceutical research and development, you know, maybe a little bit of agriculture, you know. So kind of what you what I describe as kind of standard expected applications of a technology that for measuring all these metabolites, technology we know that um, is based a lot on the small molecules that are used in a lot of standard clinical uh, assays today. But um, what's interesting is as we've worked with more and more investigators kind of around the globe, as you see just really, really um, uh, esoteric applications. You see uh, aqua, people applying it to aquaculture questions, um, different um, looking at uh, the health of marine mammals, muscle development and, uh, and, uh, and butterflies and moths, hibernating squirrels. I mean, it, it's, really, it's really amazing. It's kind of opened up uh, to me that there's you know, a whole world of research out there that uh, if there's an investigator out there who's got a biological question and they're interested in trying to understand what, what are the mechanistic underpinnings, how does that work? They've actually found us many times and said, hey, I, wanna, I want you to profile our, uh, our python blood or our hibernating squirrel hmm. blood. So there's a lot of the, um, the strange, uh, I would describe it. Um, as far as the unexpected findings, um, yeah, I think some of the more unexpected findings, to me, are the, are, would, would fall into the realm of the work we've done in, in, with the microbiome. So, of course, this is, this is uh, you know, the microbiome, some people would view as a kind of a separate field from what we do, metabolomics. But um, the microbiome, of course, is, you know, that, that massive collection of bacteria, viruses, yeast, trillions of them that live, you know, on us or amongst us, right? Um, right. And it's all over the news today, right? Microbiome drives this, this interesting trait or this disease or affects our mood, all that kind of stuff. So where I would kind of describe it as metabolomics and the microbiome, uh, where they had their um, peanut butter and chocolate moment and came together, um, and, and this kind of gets to the, the surprising findings, is that as people started to explore the microbiome, I think they realized that it was really interesting to see that certain uh, bacteria within us were associating with different traits, right? Right. But they were, I think, largely struggling to, to kind of understand the functional components of that. Well, how does that working? What are the components driving that? We know that X bacteria is there when Y disease is present, right? But how do, how do they connect? And um, where metabolomics came in is that if you look in the, the, uh, in the world of uh, microbiology, anywhere on the planet, whether it be coral reefs, whether it be uh, different insect communities, or a great example would be uh, plants. You see that where, where, where bacteria are forming these community structures, even with other species, one of the things that's almost invariably involved, it might not be the only factor, but often a key or critical factor are metabolites. So metabolites are often the, uh, you know, the instruments of, uh, 
of, of, of currency or, uh, or language between these species, and sometimes they're the instruments of, uh, you know, they're, they're the weapons that are used as well, right? That's where we get antibiotics, right? Um, so the surprising findings has really come in that um, our technology, we did not set out, um, as far as I know, to build a technology for profiling the microbiome. But this technology, uh, fortuitously, has landed in a place where, because we're able to cover, we're able to measure so many metabolites in a living system, that we're able to get a really good snapshot of the functional expression of the microbiome. So there's been a lot of studies where I mentioned the, the yo-yo dieting study. I mentioned a study on kind of mood disorders. Um, there are others where um, by, being, by profiling the metabolites, we were able to, to add so much more mechanistic information to these studies than just the association of <coughs> community of bacteria X associates with disease Y. So I'd say that's probably one of the biggest surprises. And then I'm just going to quickly add one other quick, uh, one other surprise. I'll be really quick about this one. But the other sure. surprise is that one of the value propositions of looking at these metabolites is that we know a lot about biochemistry. People have been studying biochemistry since the Stone Age of science. So people have mapped a lot of this. So one of the value propositions is that when we measure a metabolite, we have a good idea of what it does. And that certainly is largely true. But what's really uh, fascinating is that as we built this technology to kind of scour the metabolites in a living system, we're finding more and more kind of novel, novel associations between metabolites and or novel metabolites. So I think that's the other thing that I would, I would kind of rank as a, as a real surprise. In other words, biochemistry is well known, but it's not nearly as well known as, as many might think. Are you able to differentiate the metabolites uh, produced just by the activities in the human body apart from the bacteria and yeasts and everything in it, or is that not possible? Uh, in some cases, it is. You know, as you can imagine, there's an overlap, right? There are some that are just unequivocally produced by the bacteria. Uh, some of them can be produced by hosts and bacteria, and sometimes through kind of this mousetrap effect of the microbiota, they can influence the levels of our own endogenous metabolites. Well, very good. So, uh, yeah, last question. How can people contact uh, Metabolone to find out more, you know, maybe to order the Metabolone test for a group that they're working with? What's the best way to contact you? Well, I, would, I suppose uh, the website would probably be the, the way I would go, just, and even if you can't, yeah, Metabolone.com, but uh, obviously just type Metabolone in. Oh, okay. yeah. Very good. And, and, and just, it's M-E-T-A-B-O-L-O-N. Got it. Okay. Well, very good, Kirk. I appreciate you coming on the call, and thanks for your time. It's been very interesting. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.